0: You already know the fun of Kings Island. Blue ice cream for lunch, catching your breath between screams on the beast. But this summer at Kings Island, this is 50. Don't miss the 50th anniversary celebration all summer long with new shows, new food, and new fun. It's Kings Island's biggest summer yet. And now through August 14th, Kings Island is turning up the excitement with a daily 50 Years of Fun street party. It features dancers, music, and more commemorating the last 50 years. Make plans today at visitkingsisland.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right around this great, beautiful little planet of ours. And of course, on our satellite programming providers. Now, if you'd like to find out what we're up to, it's very simple www.exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites www.no just x on Radio TV, just testing you, Craig, and man, you caught it. Now, before we get to my guest of this hour, Mary A. Joyce, quick question. How would you like to be part of UFO history? You would? One simple place to go, www.cubesat4disclosure.com. Mary A. Joyce is our guest. She has worked for two major metropolitan area newspapers as a writer, columnist, artist, Sunday Magazine editor, and feature editor. On the side, she's written magazine articles and five other books. Currently, she is the editor of Sky Ships Over Cashiers website, which features cutting-edge topics. Her career includes working for a Fortune 100 company, coordinating art and printing for talking children's books. In that capacity, she worked directly with many creative teams, including those at Marvel Comics, Golden Books, Mr. Rogers, Bernstein Bears and Steven Spielberg's E.T.'s staff. She also worked for one of the world's largest private printing companies, a major metropolitan air pollution company control agency, and a community college and political campaigns. Some of the other books that uh, Mary A. Joyce has written include Cherokee, Little People Were Real, and Tangible Evidence of Jesus' I'm sorry, tangible evidence of Jesus left behind for us to find. Joining me now from the beautiful state of uh, North Carolina, right?
2: Yeah. That's correct.
1: Is our good guest of this hour, Mary A. Joyce. And Mary, welcome to the X-Zone.
2: Thank you. It's gl- I'm glad to be here.
1: Uh, your website, shipsovercashiers.com. Okay, I get, the, I get the ships, sky ships, I should say. Right. Over cashiers.
2: Cashers is the part that's a stumper, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, That's a community, or a a small town that's at the top of the mountains. Um, It's where a lot of people in the lowlands come to spend their uh, summers and the fall, and then they retreat back to lowland when the weather gets cold. Gotcha. It's a mountaintop community, and it's where we first began to see lots of UFOs, and that's how the uh, name came to be.
1: Now, I understand you would like to share some cutting-edge UFO information with our listeners tonight.
2: I Yes, there's two things I'd like to share with you. Uh, one, it's not totally new to our website, but I'm pretty sure it'll be new to most of your listeners. And uh, we were contacted by a man in the Netherlands who was able to take these uh, uh, NASA satellites of objects around the moon, and I'm talking giant objects. Uh, many of them are bigger than Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had the uh, technical expertise to get in there and dust and clean them, which are his words, so that you can begin to see uh, the structure and the detail, which usually doesn't show up on UFO photos. And if anybody wants to take a look at those, you can go to skyshipsovercachers.com and on the home homepage, um, on the left-hand side, there's a list of different categories. Mm-hmm. Open up global links. And We first began to get his photos in 2013. So anybody who would really be interested in seeing this can just go into the archives for 2013. We have some of his in 2014 and in 2015. And then he's disappeared off the map. I haven't been able to get in touch with him at all this year, so I don't know what's happened to him. But the photos are amazing because you can actually see incredible structures.
1: We certainly will get our listeners to go there. Now, I've got about a minute and a half before I go to commercial break, but you're going to be on a a Canadian TV show, Travel and Escape. Tell us about that.
2: Okay. Um, I was interviewed earlier this year by, uh, uh, actually, it's a film crew out of Canada that's doing a show for both the Canadian program called uh, Travel and Escape Mm -hmm. and for the Travel Channel here in the United States. And they interviewed me and some other people about the uh, secret underground base uh, built beneath the Smoky Mountain National Park here in the Appalachian Mountains. And uh, uh, our key witnesses have all had military background. They can identify uh, the different kinds of helicopters and the uh, cargo transport vehicles and all of this kind of thing. It's very interesting. And uh, uh, I know it's part of this uh, season schedule, but the date isn't firmed up yet. Well,
1: we'll keep our eyes open for it, and we'll certainly let our listeners know when we find it, and uh, get as many people up here in the great cold north to watch it as soon as it comes on. XO nation Mary A. Joyce is our guest. www.skyshipsovercashiers.com is the website, and we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exo from our broadcast station and our broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
3: This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO, I have interviewed hundreds of people who stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information please visit my website at www.kevenrandall.blogspot.com.
1: Welcome back to the Exon. I am Rob McConnell, and um, Mary Joyce is our special guest. www.skyshipsovercashiers.com. The investiga- investigation that you did into this UN treaty that we that uh, the United States is part of that allocated a certain part of the United States, giving it jurisdiction to the United Nations. Are there other countries around the world that have also done the same? And if yes. so, who? Yes,
2: there are. Yes. Who? Um, I that I did not go into deep research. I know there's stuff in Australia, uh-huh. uh, for sure. Um, there's places in Europe, but I did not focus on that because I was focusing on the United States. And the furthest from continental United States would mm-hmm. be um, Hawaii. And not that long ago, uh, about one hundred and forty thousand acres. Uh, were turned over to the uh, heritage. Uh, for so,
1: sp- for specific use by the United Nations?
2: Uh, it is now owned by the United Nations, yes.
1: Okay, so with this just in- just isn't in the United States. There are other countries that have joined in this effort, but we don't know what other countries are. For example... Uh, do we know if Great Britain, if Germany or other members of the United Nations have also been part of training exercises with the United Nations Blue Hats, or is it just in the United States?
2: Well, it's it's two things. I Probably because we have more space here, a lot of military training would go on here. Um, you know, there's but, more insulation. You know, people can be doing maneuvers in the Uh mountains here and not that many people are going to run into them if you do it in europe i think it gets a little tighter um but check into it check into canada they may very well have some of those world heritage sites so
1: so let me just get a better understanding and grip on this so to the best of your knowledge you don't know because your investigation strictly was focused on what was going on in the u.s
2: that's correct
1: okay Another book that is rather interesting that um, I, I came across, Cherokee Little People Were Real. Tell us about that.
2: Uh, when I first moved to North Carolina in 1998, uh, uh-huh. I had never heard of Cherokee Little People. And then I began to hear these stories, and they kind of sounded like just uh, mythology. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day a man came in at, uh, I, where I worked at the time, and he's a very, he's no longer living. He was a very elderly man mm. who was well respected, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a veteran and all of that. And he said one day in a conversation, he said, No, they were real. And when he uh, was a young man after World War II, he was involved in um, clearing land and uh, building new buildings at Western Carolina University, which is here in Western North Carolina. And it seems like wherever they were digging to build new structures, they would run into these little tunnels. And all these tunnels were made in very dense uh, red clay. They were square cut except for the top, and the top would be a rounded arch, and as you know, that makes a a structure stronger if you have the arch. Mm -hmm. And they also found uh, uh, little skeletons. Um, One professor in the science department had a a small skeleton that he, uh, not skeleton, a skull that he kept on his desk, sort of like a decorative paperweight. Mm -hmm. And one day another teacher came by and picked it up and looked at it real closely and said, this is not a child's skull. It has all of its wisdom teeth. Um, And the the whole campus, when construction has been done, they have found uh, little skeletons and little tunnels. Uh, So there must have been a, a little people community Um, in this area at one time. Uh, There was an Indian mound, at least they called it an Indian mound, on the campus. Um, And the old-timers told me that that was not really a normal Indian mound. It used to have a a tubular hole that went straight down from the top, and uh, the land was once farmed, and the farmer would put these big logs that were... um, maybe uh, eight inches in diameter, and they would put it down into this hole to keep the cattle from falling into it. So um, I actually ended up interviewing 11 different people for that book. Most of them were old-timers who had worked on the campus uh, when much of this construction was going on. Um, And there's some irony with all of this. Um, There is a building called the McKee Building. It's the oldest, one of the oldest ones on campus. And I heard stories from men who went to school there when when it was a grade school, and they would talk about going down into the basement and into the janitor's section, and there would be these uh, uh, tunnels that went out from the basement, and they would dare each other to go and see it or to look into it. The irony is that those tunnels still exist, but they put in a supporting wall uh, in the basement, and it... You no longer can access it. And the irony part is that on the other side or the inside of that wall is where the um, uh, anthropology department is. So here is a department very interested in old-time things. Mm -hmm. And on the other side are these uh, ancient tunnels, and they can't even reach them. Uh, The university has... Uh, been very reluctant uh to let any of this be known because
1: all right, so Mary, what is the university saying about this? You know here you've got a university they've got this historic find right beside their anthropology department. you know why why aren't they spreading the news?
2: I think it gets down to uh just the desire to keep building and expanding the campus. Anytime you find an archaeological site, things shut down until mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, well documented. Uh, and I don't think they want to do that. Um, so they just kind of try to keep it hush-hush. There is a um, a story that came in after the book was done. It was from a student who had been there um during the time of some of the uh, building. Mm-hmm. And he and some buddies were down by the river. There's a river that goes through the campus. And they were just horsing around. And the head of security came walking by, and he was carrying a box that would be a little bit bigger than a shoebox. And somehow they got into a discussion with this guy. And he said, well, these are some more of those bones they found when they were uh, working on a particular building. And he was taking the bones to rebury them out in an ATV trail. Um, And that was one of the ways they were uh, dealing with the little bones they were finding.
1: But isn't that against the law?
2: I think so. Yes, I do. And uh, I have actually gone to the uh, office of the chancellor. Um, I've talked to his wife. I've tried to get people to come forward on Mm -hmm. this. Um, I sometimes get my best information from the students. Uh, One of the students, one of the students who has now graduated said that not only do they have, like, the skull of a small little person uh, in one of their uh, forensic storage areas, but they also have uh, uh, at least two giant skeletons that have six toes. So they're sitting on some really great things, and universities and even things like the Smithsonian um, sometimes suppress information that goes against what current history is. And you're probably familiar with some of the books that have come out in the last few years uh, showing that the Smithsonian has been uh, hiding many of these skeletons, also. So, you know, people don't want the, the history messed up and they don't want their building projects slowed down.
1: But and, why wouldn't you go uh, to the federal government? That's a federal offense. Your congressman, your, your state senator.
2: Good questions. Good yeah. questions.
1: You know, but anyhow, that's to, the reality
2: go, of what we're dealing with right uh, now.
1: Okay, but if you know this is happening and it's wrong, you went to the chancellor or tried to. They're doing nothing, so why not go one step higher? You're upset that, you know, the military may be doing something, and yet you you've got you've got proof in front of you that something is wrong, and you're not taking it to the next level. I don't understand that.
2: Well, it takes a whole lot of money and a whole lot of legal stuff to uh, even take on things like this, and my pockets aren't that deep.
1: But a phone call?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, I've done some of this. A text message, but,
1: uh... you know. And what has been the response from your congressman or your senator? Or uh, you the Department can't
2: get of... past the people in the front office that monitor the calls.
1: What about the Department of the Interior?
2: Okay, I'll follow through on that.
1: I'm just asking logical questions. I'm not i'm I'm just wondering why so if these little bodies are uh, these graves are being desecrated, that's not right, but what happens if
2: well the Indians here at the reservation mm-hmm. uh which is the the cherokee nation right uh they have tried to tackle this and they actually have uh, uh, more ability to try to get through to some of this um They're not having, you know, any success either, apparently, because I have talked to people with the tribe.
1: You say apparently. As a journalist, wouldn't you have, say, wouldn't you have checked this out so that you can come back with an answer rather than apparently?
2: Well, I have talked to the people at, um, that are involved with Cherokee Mm -hmm. history and have talked to them about it. Okay. And... They have been trying in their own ways to do things. I have not gotten involved with what they are doing.
1: Okay, gotcha. But
2: they, but they have been trying to do different things to get some of this truth out. Wow. They spend an awful lot of time just trying to preserve mm-hmm. uh, some of the uh, ruins that are just on their reservation. It's amazing uh, how difficult some of this can be. Um, they tried to stop the building of a regular grade school where there was a um, uh, more contemporary uh, village of the Cherokee, and uh, they weren't successful at that. So I don't know what to tell you, because the the people at that level have much more um, interest in this than, than many people would have.
1: But you've got the power of the press with you. You're a former editor. You know a lot of people. You're an author. I'm sure you could lend them a great, a great method of support. I hear you. Yeah. Okay, so we've got to take a commercial uh, in a few seconds.
2: But I do have hmm. to tell you this: What's you also, there's also a tricky business in dealing with the Cherokees. I am a white person. I can't go in and commandeer their efforts. I can talk to them, I can suggest things, but I can't lead the charge with them.
1: No, but you could call up a congressman or a senator or get a hold of the Department of the Interior and say, this is what I know is going on. What can be done about it? How can you help the Cherokee Nation? Contact the mainstream media. I'm sure they would love to get on a story like this.
2: Um, I have forwarded stories and information on these books to the media, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: uh, and nothing gets picked up. Really? The only places that pick it up are people, are radio and TV shows that deal with alternative news. Um, I've contacted things like the Atlanta newspaper, the Asheville newspaper. Um, They just don't pick up on it.
1: What a shame. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back on the other side as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name is Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Exo Nation, Mary A. Joyce is our special guest this hour, www.skyshipsovercashiers.com is her website, and uh, let's talk about military bases. You have a new book that's out, Underground Military B- Bases Hidden in the Carolina Mountains. Tell us about these military bases that are that are so secret, and they've actually been put in mountains and underground, and why are they doing this?
2: Uh, let's see, that's two questions. Number one, there's natural caves and stuff beneath the mountains here, so a lot of those things could be expanded upon. So that's mm-hmm. part of the reason for the mountains. Um, the It's called Survival Land. And if you know about the first uh, uh, bunker for the people out of Washington, which is now publicly known, it was at the uh, Greenbrier Hotel, and it was a place where there was a hidden place beneath the hotel where uh, people could escape from Washington, D.C. So the idea of having a place to retreat to either for a, any kind of disaster. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly one reason. Um, there are strange things that go on on some of them, um, but we'll stick with the one that uh, will be on your the show okay. in Canada, and that's the one beneath the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. It is also the most recent one that um, seems to have been built, And the action, I think, was mostly in 2012, 2013, 2011, maybe, where people were seeing these humongous sky cranes and helicopters doing drops of major box-size packages into this remote area that, you know, the public can't access. And our best witness is a man that we just called Clark, and he and his wife both have military backgrounds, and they were the ones that contacted me. And what's interesting is that I had uh, I had known these people before they ever experienced this, so I had uh, multiple reasons to believe them and to follow through on what they were telling me. And they had pulled off on a, a road just south of Cherokee. Now, Cherokee is, you know, in the Smoky Mountains. And um, they saw this very strange truck that had very unusual equipment on the back of it. He said it looked like a decontamination uh, chamber that he had seen in the military. And he actually is um, very friendly and outgoing. He went up and talked to the truck driver, and it was a woman, and she said she was waiting for a number of other trucks that were going to meet there, and then they were going to have a military escort to take them to an undisclosed location. Mm -hmm. Well, he was a real detective and uh, followed them uh, close, you know, at a distance. And um, when the escorts uh, came with the other five trucks, uh, they were white SUVs, and the people inside the vehicles were dressed in black and had uh, guns. Um, All of the... um, Trucks had tarps on them that had the uh, initials for the U.S. Air Force. And uh, the caravan went into a place called Smokemont, which is one of the campgrounds uh, on the main road that goes between North Carolina and uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And they pulled off in there, and as soon as all the trucks went through, they shut down uh, the gate and nobody else could get into it. That is the closest point from. The major road going to Tennessee to this place um, where the entrance is, so that's how it all got started.
1: All right, just listening to you. Okay, the government is has a facility that they're, you know, that they're that they're working on or they're completing um, in a ma- in in a matter of national defense. Aren't there things that the public should know and the government has the right to keep secret and you know? Because they're well, protecting when you the- start
2: listening to uh, uh, some of the uh, the military who mm-hmm. are willing to talk a little bit, there is really great concern about uh, something that's known as Planet X or Nibiru, and the elite are planning escape places. We did a story on the website rather recently about mm-hmm. um, uh, a community in Lake Lure, which is to the east of me, but it's still here in the mountains. and all sorts of military people are buying land in that area, and uh, uh, including somebody who is a top general at the Pentagon. He doesn't live there. He may come there occasionally, but it's strictly um, a place where they can escape to if things get really bad. So there is concern uh, about some kind of a, a possible disaster, and um, I would think that would be a major reason, but it's not for you and I and the regular people, it's for people who have uh power and clout,
1: well, you know up here in Canada, we had the Diefenbaker bunker near Carp, Ontario that was the the bunker that, in case of a nuclear war or or devastating threat that the members of parliament would be taken to, so that if in fact there was a war that at least the country would still have an active working government um you know, like I have a problem with the conspiracy theories when it comes to uh, Planet X, Naburu, because there's there's no scientific evidence whatsoever that it is real.
2: Um, and and I'm certainly not going to debate that issue. Yeah. That is just one of the one of the things that uh, people say because it is a bunker designed for some kind of disaster. Okay. Um, and there's a whole network of them in the book. Um, That I've written about Mm -hmm. underground bases in North Carolina mountains, um, I've featured five of them, and uh, there's evidence to uh, indicate that they're probably all connected by tunnels. Mm -hmm. And uh, you probably have seen photos of these underground boring machines that are actually bigger than a a train car. Oh sure, yeah, the ones round and cylindrical, and they can just you know go through uh, rocks. rather quickly. And what would happen is people, let's say between two of these locations, Mm -hmm. would feel and hear all sorts of vibrations for X amount of time, and then it would disappear. Um, So it could very well have been while they were drilling these tunnels. Um, There's many sources that indicate that there's like a monorail system that connects much of this.
1: But once again, let us say... That the government has decided that everybody knows about uh, the NORAD headquarters in Cheyenne Mountain. Right. Okay, why don't we move it to another location or a number of locations where in case one gets knocked out, the others still will be able to defend the United States as well as to, uh, you know, take care of the armies the navy and the military wherever they are in uh, across the globe so why are we getting so concerned about this
2: well uh, there's multiple reasons if you want to get into the conspiracy part there is a uh, another facility here that is simply known as Perry p-a-r-i, P-A-R-I. Mm-hmm. it stands for pisca astronomical research institute mm-hmm. and it's the oldest of the ones that i've written about um We've had... Um, well, I'll give you kind of a strange report. Uh, one of the men who's, you know, an adult now, but mm-hmm. when he was a young man, he was working on a Christmas tree farm where it, that was near this facility. And he... Um, they, they saw uh, cages being carried into this place with animals in them. Now, why? Why would they be taking animals in cages in that? Then we had another woman who... Um, Her father was, uh, as a child, she was uh, uh, in a community where they were working on uh, nuclear-type weapons, Mm -hmm. and it was very secretive, and they couldn't talk about it. And when she was well into her 60s, for the first time, she decided she wanted to let people know some of the things that were going on. And um, she said that at the Perry facility, they are doing experiments with people there. Uh, that there's mind control issues mm-hmm. um, and things of that nature. So there's a there's a darker side to some of these facilities. I don't think that's true of all of them.
1: But you see, that's uh, that's there's nothing new with the mind control experiments. That's been going on since the 50s. You had Project MKUltra that was being done in Canada, the United States. Here in Canada, the Allen Memorial Institute. We know right. that. So.
2: So, <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you other than the fact that they, um, uh, I don't think it's all just to maintain the government. If that were the case, why would there be so many? We've heard a lot about the ones in the West, mm-hmm. and the reason I wanted to write this book is because I couldn't find anything that was being written about what was going on here in the Appalachian Mountains, right. in the eastern part of the country. And uh, that's what I focused on. But uh, I'm sure you're well aware of all the things that are going on out in the facilities out in the West. Um, there's, it's really kind of sad that uh, they try to keep people in the dark about the things that they are concerned about, about the preparation that they're doing, and leaving everybody out there hanging uh, and not knowing. Well it's called
1: It's called National Security.
2: Yeah, I
1: know. You know, I know, and you know what? In my books...
2: That's okay, huh? It
1: is. It is. To some,
2: de- and to some degree, it is. But, um,
1: you know, well, well, I would... Me, draw, all
2: right, I, let's get into something else uh, sure. that's kind of related. Okay. One of the facilities is beneath the Mount Mitchell um, uh, Mountain. It's okay. the tallest mountain east of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And our one of our key witnesses on that story... Uh, is a man who was in he was in the medical field all of his professional life he was a medic in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and when he retired he volunteered for the National Guard because he still was full of energy when they found out that he had high security clearance they used him in a different way and he was um, uh, part of he headed up a troop that was surveilling this mountain and they were concerned uh, because of the uh, United Nations, there's all sorts of what they call blue hats that are seen uh, around Mount Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, one of the concerns that many people have is we have troops from different countries and the United Nations operating in our country. And it's always puzzled people around here why Russians and Germans can be doing that in our national parks are in our area. Well, and that's when I found out that in 1972, mm-hmm. back in the days when uh, Nixon was president, um, our country signed a treaty. It's called the World Heritage Treaty, which we give up rights to certain parts of our country and turn it over to the UN. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park is one of those parks. So even though the United States supports the running of that park. They do not, the, the country does not own it. It is now owned by the U.N. And uh, I was real surprised. I had to check that out and make sure it was a reality. And in the book, I do have, um, you know, more information mm-hmm. about that, that treaty. Um, All right, stand and, by.
1: I've got to take my, uh, my break. Exo okay. Mary Joyce is our special guest. Her website is Skyships Over Cashiers and uh, we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Zone from our broadcast centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to visit our website TV.com on all social media sites Exxon Radio TV and you can always send me an email while here in studio at studio at or my general email address is exxon at xone radio tv.com the exome monday through friday from 11 a.m i'm sorry 11 p.m until 1 a.m eastern right here on the exome broadcast network don't go away GeneX provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Nation, Mary A. Joyce is our very special guest tonight. www.skyshipsovercashiers.com is her website. Um, one of the other books that that really interested me was your one called "Tangible Evidence of Jesus." Can you tell us about that, and, and where did you get the inspiration to write this book?
2: Uh, I don't know which one to answer first um, your choice <laughs> it it came it came in a totally different way. Um, mm-hmm. I actually was awakened in the in the middle of the night and uh, uh, was directed to do this. I mean it was like a a, a vision spirit kind of thing, and uh, that's why I did it. I didn't uh, intend to do it and uh, all the focus was on or is on. Uh, scientific and archaeological evidence about Jesus that goes way beyond what's in the Bible. Um, and there's interesting stories. There's one uh, that I... Uh, there's a character from the Bible that we don't hear much about called uh, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, he's just mentioned as the one who gives the tomb for Jesus to be married. Well, in the Eastern Church, they have a lot more information about him and other sources. And he was the... Uh, great-uncle of Jesus. And at the time of Jesus, when somebody was crucified, uh, only a family member or a man in the family could uh, be responsible for the body. And the fact that there was a family relationship is why he was able to take the body. Uh, but Joseph of Arimathea was also in Roman records. He was a noblest de in charge of the uh, ten mines uh, in southwest England. And he he, uh, traveled all the time between those two places. Um, He took Jesus as a boy with him on some of those trips. And there are uh, special crosses that you can still find in that part of England that show him as a boy in the tunic, the short tunic. Um, There's a well there that's named the Jesus Well. And uh, it's a very small uh, well that has like a little rock tiny chapel built over it and it's now in the middle of a golf course so what they've done is there's like a hole in a fairway and this little uh, chapel for this Jesus well is there and so the golfers have to go around it but it still exists um uh Joseph of Arimathea was also uh on the uh, he was a Roman senator and so uh, Uh, it's just a fascinating character and it gives a whole different dimension uh, far beyond what we see in the Bible and that's one example.
1: Was Jesus real?
2: Yes, I do believe he was real. Um, I think he lived as an ordinary man. Um, He had family. Uh, There is evidence that uh, uh, he was married and we get into that in the book. Um, Uh, there is um, a tomb that was uh, dug up and it's called the uh, the Jesus Family Tomb. And the way the tombs were built at that time is you would walk in the door and there would be a square center area and then there would be these little um, uh, tubular things off to each of the walls. And in those ancient burial sites, the most important person would be buried in the first chamber to the right. Well, when they get into this first little chamber, um, there's writings or inscriptions on three ossuaries, which are mm-hmm. these little bone boxes, uh, that were slid into these after, anyhow, it gets complicated. But one of them says, uh, Jesus, son of Joseph. One says, um, it would be the equivalent of the a familiar name for Mary, um, and then there is another tomb that says Judas, son of Judas, son of Jesus, and uh, they have done uh, DNA research on the little remnants left inside these bone boxes, and the uh, there's no family link between the Mary in the uh, the burial area with Jesus, uh, between the two of them. So it wasn't his mother. It wasn't a sister. Um, it most likely was a wife so there's things like that in the book and and certainly in the book i do a better job of explaining it than uh, I, i'm doing right now well, let me ask uh, you, let me
1: ask you a question and i'm sorry for interrupting mm-hmm. because this is mm-hmm. such an sure. interesting topic do you believe based on the research that you've done that jesus christ was the actual son of god or was he just another all-knowing master
2: well, you're probably going to be surprised by my personal answer. I don't really get into this in mm-hmm. the book. Uh, I really think he's a more evolved, uh, almost like a spaceman from our future. Okay. Uh, that, you know, uh, periodically comes back to mm-hmm. Earth. Um, that's, that's my own personal feeling from all the things that I've seen in my life and read in my life. And,
1: Why do you think Jesus would leave evidence behind?
2: I don't think he intentionally did it. I think that uh, uh, we have archaeologists and scientists who've been digging and stuff um, that just hasn't been discovered before. There's been a lot of uh, uh, discoveries in the the last 10 years about Mm -hmm. Jesus.
1: So where do you think, after, let's say, years from now, the archaeological digs have happened, what do you think we will know more about? When it comes to Jesus, the Bible, the the myth, the philosophy. All right, well, I,
2: I think we're going to find out that he was he lived the life of a regular human being. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I like to tell people about the fact that he was called rabbi, which is yes. in the Bible. Yeah. But in order to be a rabbi at that time, and maybe now for all I know, but at least at that time, you had to be married to be a rabbi. You also had to be married to. For a man to teach children, and he—they talk about him yeah. gathering the children around them or him and teaching them. So he—he he, um, had to have been married by those standards. People think he was just running around with a, a bunch of uh, boys or fishermen, and there are even inklings in the regular Bible that uh, uh, you know some of the disciples were married. I think they refer to Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, in the Bible, um, but uh, anyhow, uh, they they lived. It would have been unacceptable for him not to have been married in the culture he was in.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, the the movies uh, with um, with Tom Hanks. Uh, what were they called? Angels and Demons, and what was the Da Vinci Code. Oh yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it it opened up a whole new audience. To, to the mystery and I think that this is what we need at this time because I've often wondered and I've asked guests like yourself what would happen if the events that occurred in biblical times that are written about that are miracles that are you know that are the foundations of a religion were to happen today with all the knowledge we have of quantum physics science bio- biology um Uh, uh, you know, uh, astronomy... Parables are only things
2: that we do not understand.
1: Yeah. So, how would would the Bible be different? That's the question. Were these things really miraculous? Or were these things that happened at a time in history when knowledge was very little?
2: Uh, I think most people are still pretty odd when... Mm -hmm. um, uh, certain people are able to do like hands-on healing. Uh, There's a lot of uh, hoaxers out there and fakers, but there are genuine people who are able to do those kinds of things. And when somebody witnesses a real healing, I think they are still awed even with the scientific knowledge we have today.
1: Why do you think in the year 2016 so many people are clutching to UFOs, extraterrestrials, uh, the paranormal, and the strange, the weird, and the bizarre?
2: Um, I think there's a real emptiness inside so many people, and I think there's a searching for something, that there's, uh, there's something else out there, that there's meaning to something, that th- they want to be part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's certainly a part of it. I don't think that explains it all. Um, but I think we're also... Preparing or being prepared for some significant changes. I mean, my goodness, um, just in the UFO field, in Cachers, where we started the website, uh, we have had somebody that lives there all the time who kind of monitors the sky for us. And since 2008, so for eight years, we've been watching the sky up there. Mm-hmm. We have had more UFOs um, since August than any time in all those years. Uh, why? Why are we seeing more and more all over the world? Uh, Something is on the verge of happening. Now, I'm not going to be so bold as to say exactly what's going to happen, but uh, the number of UFOs is certainly increasing. And I don't think they're all good, by the way. I think there's good and bad, just like we have here on Earth. And, you
1: know, yesterday I was speaking to one of the directors for MUFON, and they said there has been no increase in UFO sightings.
2: Well, I think it's very spotty. I don't think, I think some people, some areas hardly see any at all. But then, like here in Cashers, we're seeing a bunch of them. And it's increased. And why is that? Um, There could be many reasons. That Perry Center that I mentioned to Mm -hmm. you, as the crow flies, is not very far from there. And uh, we've had witnesses tell us that they have seen UFOs fly into and out of a lake that's just to the west of that center. Um, So some of the. uh, underground facilities are connected with UFOs and are working cooperatively in some way. Whether that is good or bad, um, you know, that's kind of uncertain. I tend to think that uh, the greys and the uh, reptilians and things like that are not really good guys, and I really don't want to spend time with them. But I also believe that there are some that are uh, very evolved and very positive.
1: Mary, we've got to say so long for tonight. I wish you continued success. And exonation. if you'd like to find out more about Mary, visit her website, www.skyshipsovercashiers.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, always send me an email, studio at exxoneradiotv.com. We'll be back. Whatever you do, don't go away.